0: The the first course that I've done is the actual is my breath training course called the Breath Hold Blueprint. And basically that's my online guided breath training course. Okay. So it's pretty much the first of its kind and it's it's targeted at surfers. Um, and it gives gives surfers, gives people yourself, Derek, myself. Um, mm. it's providing a, a straight line pathway from having a breath hold that we're not happy with and not feeling confident about to the breath hold of your dreams, basically.
1: Saltwater, hi, what's happening? Hope everyone's having a fantastic week out there. Stoked to bring you this interview. It's perfect timing because I just got back from a surf trip to Sinaloa, my first uh, airplane trip since COVID hit very excited to launch this episode with jeff big wave surfer who has a course on breathing and we went through all the aspects of his course and a a lot of other great advice for surfing big waves if you check out jeff's instagram page you'll see this guy has surfed some gigantic waves he knows He knows what he's talking about. He's super informed. He's an expert on holding your breath, uh, learning how to breathe correctly, and possibly saving your life um, in big waves. So without further ado, please welcome Jeff Rowley to the podcast. Saltwater High. Today I want to introduce jeff rowley big wave surfer extraordinaire what's up jeff
0: hey derek how are
1: you i'm good bro i'm really good we uh we had a conversation yesterday and i was really excited about today's podcast because i feel like we're we're made from the same ilk um your your ilk is probably just a little bigger your your cojones are probably a little bigger than mine but other than that i think we the same surfing ilk (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think so. Definitely got salt water running through our blood there. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I was
1: checking out. Yeah, I was sorry, I was checking out some of your photos on the Instagram page. Bro, I had no idea I was talking to you yesterday. Some of those sick waves.
0: Yeah, thanks, mate. There's a few good ones from what we got in there, Cloud Break, big cloud break. Um, probably some break, Hawaii, big jaws. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so I've spent quite a bit of time, um, yeah, quite a bit of time over on Maui, paddling into Jaws and Cloud Break is my other favorite. You know, one of my three. I've kind of got three favorite waves in the world: Jaws, Cloud Break, and then uh, one of my spots back here in Victoria, one of my home spots. So
1: very cool. Yeah. And so, what you know, what was it that drew you to big wave surfing? I mean, was it kind of this thing that you were? progressing and you just wanted more and more and more so kind of give us a, your
0: journey sure um so a little bit about me more more recently um you know a few years ago i was a member of the big wave world tour um i've been a billabong double xl of the year finalist from waves that i've caught at jaws um i've been uh you know some of the biggest swells paddled at jaws and definitely a cloud break in fiji i haven't missed one of those and I've been right there in the water alongside guys that have caught, you know, um, biggest wave world records, right of the years, biggest tube. I was, you know, literally in the lineup meters away from them when they caught that wave, you know. So mm. um, that's been sort of the last 10, 15 years of my life. Um, and yeah, but basically I've been surfing big waves for about the last 23 years since I was 18. I'm 41 now. Um and I live in Torquay in Australia, and that's where Bells Beach is, if, you, if anyone's not familiar with that is, that is. I know you're familiar with it, Derek, you've been to Bells. Yeah,
1: shout out to Bells, bro. Yeah, Bells is by far one of my all-time favorite waves on the planet, and um, I can't wait to go back and, and have you uh, hold my hand in some bigger waves when I get down there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be really yeah. good so i was fortunate to um i grew up in a surf shop my dad was a surfboard shaper in town anglesey and uh yeah i grew up on the on the floor the showroom floor of the surf shop and in his shaping bay so sort of surfing was in my blood from really young age and you know obviously my dad did it and uh but i wasn't always into surfing big waves i wasn't um it didn't come naturally to me when I was super little, somewhere around the age of four, we had a, a boating accident at where we lived, Point Road night. And uh, what happened was my dad was taking my brother, my sister and myself, I got an older sister and a younger brother, <clears throat> we were really young. And my dad was taking us fishing and there was a it was higher tide and so there was a little shore break about you know, about two foot, you know, like about waist high, something like that. And a Another person offered to push the boat in so dad could get in and start the boat. But my dad jumped in to start the boat, so we were all sitting in the boat, and then a set wave came to the shore break, and this guy just turned on his heels and ran away. And the boat drifted. Oh, no. Yeah, the boat went sideways, and the boat wouldn't start straight away as boats back then, your know, two-stroke motors <laughs> were known not yeah. to do. And, uh, and the boat actually got flipped, so we capsized it in the shore break and we all got thrown out, you know, gear everywhere. And that was super traumatic for me at the time and Mm. affected me all the way up until all the way, even through high school, um, you know, I was really scared of what I called or anything really, (laughs) even in high school. Mm. I I wouldn't surf waves basically. I wouldn't go out over five foot. I wanted to Mm. and I saw everyone else doing it, um, but there was just this, thing holding me back and even if I tried I would get like I used to I did high school on the Gold Coast at Burley Heads and when a big swell came like if it was six foot or something I would paddle out with my friends from school and I'd get halfway out and then there'd be a lull in the waves and I'd see the next set coming and I would just stop (laughs) paddling and go back in yeah
1: uh,
0: yeah so that was um, you know that all just just came from me having that bad experience as a as a child, really. Yeah. Um, and then when I finished high school, I moved back to Victoria. And I actually one time I was doing I was taking a vacation back down to Victoria, and I went surfing uh, down near Joanna, which is a pretty famous surfing beach. Do we have here? And a car pulled up next to us, and I saw on the roof they had four boards on each side, or maybe five boards on each side. Of the car so like 10 boards total everything from like six foot two to 10 foot long like all stacked up in that mm. you know that that, that right. sequence on the roof and i had like a five foot ten board back then you know as a kid and i was like what are these guys doing with this stuff at the same beach that i'm with this tiny little thing like what what goes on here and right and So that was my sort of first exposure to it and I basically was just fascinated with bigger waves but I was, you know, completely held back and terrified by it. Mm. Uh, And then when I finished high school, I moved from the Gold Coast back to Victoria and um, my friends were all into surfing like um, eight-foot waves at that time and they were like, you know, 17, 18 and that was, you know, that was sort of well outside of what I was capable of. Um, I was terrified of it. Um, But because I was in this circle with them and I was really competitive with those guys, I started going out a little bit and uh, yeah, just got a little bit of experience in that. Um, And from there, I had a pretty steep, uh, a really steep increase in the wave heights that I went out over the next year or two. Um, I ran into I ran into one or two people that had a big impression on my surfing at that time, and uh, a friend, Dave, actually invited me to go surf this wave down the coast. Um, kind of where I am is, if I compare it to where you are in, uh, you're near Rincon, that's your,
1: yeah, your right? Yeah, 20 break, minutes right? away, yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah. we've got a big wave spot. You know how you can drive down to Killers at Todos, and that's mm-hmm. a few hours away, right?
1: Yeah, Killers is, uh, yeah, it's a couple hours away, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we've got a place, yeah. relatively similar like that. It's it's about two hours away. You know what I mean? That's got really big yeah. words. and uh, and so I got an invite to go there, and had a really good time, and uh, yeah, kind of just escalated pretty quickly from there. Hmm. So,
1: I mean, there must have been a moment where that trauma that you had from childhood, you either cracked through it or, um, I don't know what do you remember a particular moment or was it something that just kind of gradually dropped
0: away or? Yeah. I remember a particular moment when I went out in a solid eight eight to 10 foot surf and I had a big board and I was at a place that I was actually at Bell's and someone showed me how to get out to the waves without getting cleaned up and without getting caught inside. And so they put me on, uh, they put me on the right equipment, they showed me how to do it, how to paddle out there, they showed me where to sit and catch a wave and I went out there and uh, basically caught a set wave right away and was on the right gear, you know, the right timing and it all went so well
1: mm.
0: and I got a this amazing feeling and I got that that addictive rush that you get from taking off on a big wave and the feeling of the power yeah. and the bigger board and the speed and um, I ended up catching half a dozen waves in that session and i was like i really discovered the love of doing it and like hey this is not meant to be this traumatic painful you know yeah. your picture that everyone sort of or i had in my head about tumbling underwater and just a nightmare of a time surfing big waves it's meant to be this beautiful thing that you're out there yeah. experiencing nature and you're um you know you're getting as close to as close as you can to this amazing force of nature and you're just you're tapping into it and just feeling it, you know, without letting it break on your head and you feel the full force of it.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: So that was yeah. a moment for me, for sure. Mm.
1: So preparation or also, I guess, the right knowledge, right? Having a, a good kind of maybe mentor at the time and being on the right gear. And, I mean, yeah. There must have been some – like you must have had something – this kind of courage that came that over like overpowered the fear right or i don't know how to put it but um
0: yeah I, i had a drive i had a drive to want to do it and to i guess i was probably competitive but i always felt like um I always felt like I wanted to do it. And I was always looking, growing up, I was fascinated by looking at the pictures of guys surfing big waves, that sort of thing. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. know, to know what it was about. And I've always enjoyed the, um, you know, the, the progressive side about surfing, about trying to push your performance and to challenge yourself and to, to go further for sure. Um, how did you, how did you learn to surf, Derek? And so what, what age did you start surfing?
1: So I started like, uh, nine, 10 around there. And, um, Uh, I I actually grew up with my grandparents, so um, I didn't have any, um, you know, kind of first generation mentors and, but I had a good buddy, my buddy, uh, David Miller, shout out to Dave. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. And he had, he had like a neighbor or something who had a big brother who had a board. I'll never forget the boards. Crazy horse was the name of the board. And it was, you know, it was uh, like a single fin Um, but I just knew like, as soon as I got that thing in the water, I'd never had felt anything like it. You know, I, I played sports growing up too, and was always into, you know, I was super active and athletic, but there was something about surfing even to this day, dude, I feel it there's something that it gives me that nothing else in life does. And I think it, you just said it, it's something about being connected to that, that, um, to nature in a way or, or or right or I call it dancing the force of nature right with the wave. I mean you're moving with the earth essentially on a wave mm. like that's that's energy being transformed through the water right and you're moving on that so yeah, it's all energy um, and vibrations
0: yeah. and you're tapping mm. into that you're feeling the energy and it's definitely it's transferring through you i mean it literally is scientifically it's transferring through you because as a wave lifts Mm. you up and down the wave is expending energy on lifting you and that is you know the force against you going up and down so it's yeah you're feeling the energy and tapping into that and you know it as you know a good surf will leave you buzzing for uh you know days weeks months you know
1: yeah for sure Yeah. It's probably one of the only things I don't dream about. I rarely dream about surfing. I think because it's so present in my life and it's such a, like, I think a lot of times we, when we dream, we're trying to work out, you know, issues or kind of, you know, psychological um, uh, hurdles that we're trying to overcome or relationship difficulties. Right. But I Mm -hmm. rarely dream about surfing because I think I have such a pure like connection to it that I don't, just don't need doesn't need any attention, you know. Um,
0: yeah, it's that it's that one place where you can go, and all those things you talked about, whether it's bills, relationships, or right now, it's like you know, COVID, lockdowns, mental health, all those things. You go in the water, and um, you just forget everything. It just makes you so present, doesn't it? You just mm-hmm. leave the life's it's a little bit cliche, but you leave your worries you know on the sand and it's never more so true than when the waves are big for you no matter you know whatever size is you know yeah. is big for you or big for me um yeah whatever size that is then uh you know you definitely have to <laughs> you leave all your worries on the sand yeah so hey Derek. so that's um, a good question oh, yeah. what oh sorry go ahead yeah you, no, you go, go you go, go
1: you go um what is big for you like you said what is you know what would you like where do you feel your i don't know where where you're starting to push the limits of of where you feel comfortable or maybe maybe you feel comfortable in everything I don't know, but like if you say okay that that's that's going that's that's going that's solid right
0: yeah, then
1: how do you think about that
0: look every every time there's a big swell coming, I get butterflies. It doesn't, you know, <laughs> I do, even if it's, yeah. if I'm going to be surfing around home and it's going to be what I call six to eight foot, or if I'm going chasing waves and it's going to be 15 foot, um, and we'll get to that in, another time in a minute, but I still get the butterflies and I'm sure you get that. Do you still yeah, get that? Totally. Yeah. But for me in terms of, uh, what do I call, like I say, for example, I start wearing, uh, I start wearing flotation. When it gets to ten feet, okay. So that's that's when I start taking it. Uh, that's when it's serious for me. And I've got, uh, you know, I'm married. I've got two young kids, um, so I've got uh, really strong, really good reasons to come home. So
1: absolutely, when no. it
0: gets to yeah. ten foot, I, I I put on a um, the. F- the what are they called the you know the flotation system the impact impact suit it's called okay so wear
1: and what fl- is that i don't even know what that is I, or what so, it looks uh, like or how it works
0: yeah so an yeah. impact suit what it is is uh it's a it's a wetsuit you can either wear one made out of wetsuit material or there's a new one uh that's made out of lycra by rip curl but it's got f- padding foam padding that floats so it's basically like a buoyancy jacket but it's designed for surfers and you can wear that underneath your wetsuit. And it gives you flotation so that when you get pounded by a wave, uh, you float to the surface much quicker. Mm. That makes sense. Okay, cool. So when the waves get to what I call 10 foot, I start wearing one of those. And then when it gets over 12 foot, I'll start wearing an inflation system. And what that is is that's a jacket that I have or a vest that can either, there's two types. One goes under a wetsuit, one goes on top, and that has... CO two cartridges that you can pull a cord and it inflates like a big airbag, and if you have a wow. wipeout, you pull that cord underwater, it'll inflate and it'll bring you to the surface uh, much faster, not instantly, but much faster than if you were not wearing one at all. Um, mm. But I'm I'm and really have you con- ever had to pull it? Yeah, I pull it regularly, regularly. Yeah. Oh, regularly, oh, regularly. Yeah, regularly is in <laughs> yeah multiple like yeah probably uh yeah, it's like, like i a, jumped
1: out of a plane but i've never pulled the the huh. emergency chute. you know
0: <laughs> yeah probably a dozen times a year something like that yeah okay
1: interesting yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and so that's a that's a good point so, how, how did you get into bigger bigger ways for yourself like how did you learn so you didn't have a, a first generation mentor or such that you had you have friends what got you into bigger surf so
1: I, a, a friend got me out to Killers. So a buddy of mine that he was a little older than me and he loved big surf. And he's like, dude, you know, we, we, I have, I've been going to Mexico since I was five years old, you know, just, you know, I just love Mexico and it's just a couple hours away. And so, you know, one time we were down on this trip surfing down in Mex, he's like, dude, the swell's getting big. Let's go to Killers. I was like let's do it, you know. This is actually the same guy that talked me into jumping out of airplanes too, by hmm. the way. Uh Steve De Palma, my buddy that uh, I grew up with. But you like know, a good after friend that to have. I, Yeah, super super awesome guy, man. I I I just reconnected with him after 14 years last last year and it was really good to see him. Um but you know it's big waves. I I it's interesting cuz now And when I say big waves for me, it's nothing like your big waves. You know, I think like my big waves is, um, double overhead, triple kind of, that's kind of where if I'm surfing, you know, around here, it it doesn't get that big. Um, so, but sometimes I do go up to San Francisco and surf ocean beach when it's pretty solid. And and then -hmm. when I'm traveling, if it's big, uh, I will surf it. Um, you know, unless it's massive, I did go to, um, I did go to, uh, Java to, uh, what's the left at Java. Um, oh, escapes me. Oh, where is it? Um,
0: i I haven't been up there.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So in, in Indo, <laughs> um, Yeah. it'll, it'll come to me soon and dude, yep. it was so big. There were like two, like only two guys in the whole camp would even paddle out and I just couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, and, and I wasn't prepared,
0: you know, you, On back think, to you? no, Not on no.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that. Sorry. It was just, doesn't matter. It'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Yeah. Um but I I think it's like you, you know, it's something you have to do intentionally. You know, you you have to like like I wouldn't even know what boards to pick. You know, for me, I've got a bunch of surfboards and I have I have a couple of guns that I, you know, over the years have acquired. Mm-hmm. And it seems like whenever I ride them, they're too big. Like I mm-hmm. don't know like that's another question. How do you know what the right board is?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a really good question. Um, so there's, there's a few things there, which are really interesting and um, of what you just mentioned then. Right. So one of the things is you said that you, you've just, you learned by yourself, right? So have, have you ever actually, have you ever like, have you ever found a big wave surfer and gone up to them, had the confidence to go and ask them for help? Like, you know, what size board should I ride today or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I don't really know <laughs> any big, I would call big wave surfers, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't.
0: I that's, don't know any. That's And that's a yeah. good point. So for, for yeah. most people, we have to learn. I did too. We learned the hard way, right? Through trial and error. And uh, it takes us a long time to get a lot of experience. And, you know, it's taken me, it's been 23 years of experience surfing bigger waves, 30 35 years or something smurf- surfing altogether but to get to know what I know now and I've recognized that there's a uh, there's a divide and a disconnect between mm. big wave surfers and kind of regular surfers um, I do find that I get a lot of uh, questions from people when I'm you know when I'm come in from a server guys will come up might come up to me and sort of ask a couple of questions very shyly uh, but for most people, they don't have that exposure to a big wave surfer like what mm. you just said and you're certainly not going to just you know get on instagram and go to your favorite big wave surfer and ask them hey i don't know what board to ride you know there's a there's a disconnect there right and so mm. that's where i got the idea to build the website um my mm. business paddling mastery
1: yes and and
0: and so the idea with that is that i'm trying to bridge that gap i'm trying to get rid of that disconnect and the website's dedicated basically to anyone that uh, wants to improve their surfing in bigger waves and it doesn't have to be the biggest waves it can be for anyone Um, but i'm trying to i am breaking down that disconnect and making it so that you have a direct line to a big wave surfer, and you know, anywhere, wherever you are in the world, you're in California, I'm in Australia, someone else could be in the south of France, you can have a direct line to me. So you can send yeah. me an email straight away, and one degree of separation. It's not like through a friend of a friend of a friend, or you heard a rumor. You can, just, if you have yeah. a question, you can just reach out through that website straight to me and i will answer it and hopefully solve the help you solve the problem so that you can progress to the next level and get what you want that's super valuable bro thank you Yeah, yeah it's 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 really enjoyable for me to try and pass on some knowledge now the things that i've learned and help people especially not spend five years like writing the wrong size board when we could solve that really quickly and just change change your life basically so (laughs) there's a a, a couple of things for what you said so it's really interesting we were just talking about the wave size before and Mm. yesterday i remember you mentioned to me about um something surfing somewhere 10 bells maybe 10 to 15 foot and i'm just wondering what size what wave scale do you typically use
1: Yeah. So I think this is the other thing. We, we probably use different wave, uh, wave scales. Sure. So I usually think about, um, you know, like double overhead. So a normal dude is six foot. So I would call that 12 foot. I know the Hawaiians measure things from the back, right? So, um, I think Californians, Americans, let's put it, just say Americans in general measure things from the front. So when I'm calling a 12 foot wave you're probably calling a 6 foot wave right or or exactly something like that right, right?
0: yeah yep. and so for for people that are if anyone's getting into surfing it's really confusing when someone says the wave's 6 foot today is it double overhead is it head high or is it you know <laughs> what is it and like that's just, that's one of those things that I'm trying to help people understand. So there is, as, mm. as we just touched on, there's three scales, right? So there's three scales in surfing of judging the waves. The first one is the, the I call it the face height scale, which is also known as the the Californian or the American scale. And I didn't come up with the, I didn't come up with the names. But it's just what they are. Yeah. <laughs> but the, so the American that one. Is not called the CEPO scale? No, no, no. It's, it's mostly known as the face height scale, right? Nice. So that's where you're. If someone's on a wave, and it's as tall as their head. Then the average person's mm. six foot tall. So therefore, it's a six foot wave, and mm. that's probably what a lot of beginners and things will will judge the wave height based on. But it's not what a lot of, God, well, not what all surfers use for sure. There's a different scale. So the second scale being the Hawaiian scale, which is which is sorry, it's known as the Hawaiian scale. It's just easier. I didn't again. I didn't invent it. I don't know why it's the Hawaiian scale. It's just what it's called. But that's where a six-foot wave, like a wave that's head high, is three foot. So it's basically half, right? And some people call it the back of the wave scale, but I go with the Hawaiian scale. And that's the one that I predominantly use. So if the wave realistically is 12 foot. But there's that other one scale that's universal, and you mentioned that as well. And the universal is the, the overhead scale. So that, that's the one that's universal. It doesn't matter where you're mm. from. And so yeah. head height waves are are always going to be head height. Someone takes a photo or looks at the beach and it's like the wave's head height. So one person can say, well, it's six foot. And one person can say it's three foot, but we're all going to agree roughly that it's head high. Yeah. Then yeah. double overhead, which is two times head height, that's, uh, that's going to be 12 foot on the wave face, Californian-American scale, and it's going to be six foot in the you know, the Hawaiian back of the wave scale. Mm-hmm. And then you go, you keep going on from there, you know, triple four times overhead is going to be 24 foot face and it's going to be 12 foot Hawaiian. Um, so it's really, it's a, a key thing, especially for people that are new to surfing. There's actually three scales to judge yeah, the heights that's of the all, wave. That's,
1: that's pretty cool. I didn't realize the third scale Which is probably the one I use the most, right? If I'm talking to my buddies, I'm like, "Oh, it's chest high, it's shoulder high, right?" Uh, Yeah. Overhead sets, bro. You know, I mean, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, Exactly. So it's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can say, "Hey, it's four foot man," and and someone thinks it's like, "Oh, that's below my shoulder." And then if you reinforce it, no, no, it's overhead. You're like, they go, "Oh, that's really good then." (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's hard for mm. someone if they're going to, like you mentioned you went to Bell's, right? And then um, the guy said yeah. there's a big swell running. So if someone says to you, oh, it's six to eight foot. And you get down there and you find it's 12 to 15 foot. You're going to be yeah. like, hang on, this guy lied to me. <laughs> this is t- yeah, this that's is exactly
1: what happened actually.
0: Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly
1: what happened. <laughs> really? That's why I got the board I did when I when he, when okay, was and- in the shop.
0: And and so so you because you came to Bells right for a big swell you were telling me yeah. yesterday and you yeah. turned up the shop you bought a wetsuit and uh, and and then what report did the guy give you? It's like six
1: to eight. It's exactly <laughs> what he said. I was like, oh, I'm gonna ride like a five eleven. You know, like <laughs> and that'll be perfect. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then I got out there. I was like, oh, I could have used another foot at least. Yeah. So know? it's
0: actually twelve to fifteen on the on your scale, yeah. on the face scale, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. One of the it's things funny. that um, that I do through Paddle Mastery is mastery is uh, we have, have some coaching. I help people with online coaching, et cetera, and um, building some courses. And so one of the things in there is is of course you mentioned before about board size, what boards to choose. So yeah. firstly there's I've broken it down into three levels of big wave surfing. Okay. So level one is for what I call six to eight foot waves, which is your 12 to 15 foot so you're talking two to two and a half times overhead so that's the that's the level one of big wave surfing level two is eight to ten foot so you're looking at two and a half to three times overhead and then level three big wave surfing is 10 to 12 foot which is your three to four times overhead you know your uh 20 to 25 foot california yeah. face size so when you break it down into those three groups then we can start to look at uh, you know, what are the tools, what are the training, what are the equipment, what do you need to do for level one? Where do you need to be at? You don't need to worry about the level three stuff yet, because you're not going to go and tackle that. We want to just get you, uh, just get you past the level one so you can go and do it safely, have a good time, not have that traumatic experience of being tumbled underwater and just never want to do it right. again. So yeah. In terms of uh, board size, well, what do you ride in? Uh, if it's if it's that sort of 12, 15 foot, you know, if they two double overhead to two and a half times overhead,
1: I'm still on a shorter board. I'm still um, I don't like a lot of board. I mean, I normally my normal go to boards a five two, so I ride I ride a mini mini Simmons style yep. kind of five two. Yeah. So I, when I get into the six plus range, like I I don't like anything. You know, and this is for, you know, the what what I would call double overhead ish yeah. surf, yeah. like a like six, two, six, four, you know, but with more volume. I like a shorter board with more volume than I do mm-hmm. a longer board, which doesn't make mm-hmm. much sense, I know, because when the, and you know more than this about this than me, when it's moving faster, you actually need the bigger board. And I know this in my head, but I just don't feel like I, I like to turn, you yeah. know, and it's really hard hard for me to turn on a um, on a bigger or anything over like, anything over like a six, five, dude, I can't turn it.
0: Mm. I just can't and turn it. You'll probably start to sacrifice your paddle power, right? By riding a shorter board.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: yep. So in that, see in that six to eight foot range, what we'd recommend someone that's doing that I'm sort of working through that level one section is that you ride the, the, Basically, like a, like to get a pass right to get yourself confident in that level one mm. of big wave surfing that you move up to your first semi gun right so okay. and in that six to eight foot or twelve to fifteen foot on the face, um, you know double to two and a half times overhead, we recommend adding a foot onto the length of your shortboard, which okay sh- should put you for that kind of way should put you in between six or six nine. More, well you're writing yeah. you 're writing mini simmons so that 's really small. Mm-hmm. But I would yeah. say, typically, it's between seven to eight foot. So that's oh, really? Generally, not oh,
1: big. Okay, bro. Yeah, all right.
0: And so, if you're riding in six to eight foot waves, yeah, like as in twelve to fifteen foot on the face size. And let's let's say you're new to it, right? Like you've been surfing since you were ten years of age. Yeah, you've got a lot of surfing experience. So you can break the rules, right? So right. you've you've right. surfed killers, and I can break the rules too. I can I've surfed really big waves, so I can paddle out with you in twelve to 15 40, two and a half times yeah. on a small board because we know the rules and we're yeah. choosing to break them. You know the rules, that's why yeah. you you like you like breaking the rules by riding a shorter, wider board. Mm. But for the average person, if they don't know that and they haven't had the experience before and they go into a surf shop and they talk to a salesperson who is interested in selling them a board and they're like, hey, what board do I need? They, they could could basically be sold anything because the salesperson's got a vested interest in it. We're going to give them the help to say, hey, if you're going to surf those kind of waves, you need to be fed. This is the board that you want to have. It should be a seven to eight foot long board, basically about a foot longer. So short board for me is six foot two, like a regular performance shortboard, not a fish sort of okay. thing. And yep. then at, for once I get into that size waves, two and a half times overhead, I've got to move up to a semi-gun. So I ride about seven foot long in that size. So seven foot. Okay. Yeah. But between seven and, and eight foot.
1: Okay. And technically and why, why, why do we need that extra length?
0: We need extra length. Cause when the waves get bigger, um, there's more power in the waves, there's more speed and there's a lot further distance for us to paddle usually. So a bigger board is going to help us to, to paddle faster, the board is a little bit more, it's more elongated. So it's going to, the board actually is designed to uh, to handle the extra speed and the extra length will make the board do longer turns, which will help you go around sections further. So hmm. if you need to come around a section on a, you know, shoulder high wave, the section might only be, you know, 20 feet long. Whereas if you want to come around a section on a wave that's two and a half times overhead, it could be, could be really a long section mm. you know If you've got a long mm. way so these boards are designed to uh to to go f- to handle the higher speeds and to uh and to, to go further in longer distances yeah mm. interesting yeah so um and, cool. and, and another thing is with what i can tell it's, it's really interesting that uh you said you like riding a shorter board in bigger waves right so i do yeah. What what position do you find yourself in when you're sitting in the lineup? Where do you think you sit amongst the lineup when the waves are bigger oh, on the it's shorter board?
1: Deep, I gotta go as deep as possible. Right. I gotta go I gotta get right underneath the lip.
0: Okay. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you nailed it, right? So you so yeah. you've got to sit inside. So there's there's three roles that you can play when you're in a lineup. Okay. And I've broken them down and I and I call them mm. I call them these as follows, right? You've got the bomber the performer and the scrapper.
1: like it.
0: Yeah. So the bomber is the guy that's sitting out the back further than anyone on the longest board and they're just sitting out there waiting for the biggest waves, right? Mm. And there's there's characteristics that go with that role. When you're the bomber, you're going to catch the least amount of waves but you're going to be on the biggest and possibly the best Mm. waves. You're going to... Um, you're going to wait longer for a wave, but you're also going to be safer. You're not because you're waiting for the big ones. You're sitting further out. You're not going to get caught inside. Mm. The performer is the guy in the middle who's riding the right length board, right? Just the same, the just the average in the middle, perfect mm. size board for that swell. He's going to sit in the normal takeoff zone. He's be competing with the other guys for the regular size sets. He's going to get a higher wave count. He's not going to catch the biggest wave of the day though because that's going to break further out he's going to have to get out of the way of that but on gen you know performer is the guy in the middle of the pack then there's the third role which is the scrapper and that's exactly what I recognize that as soon as you told me that you're riding that small board I knew that that you like playing the scrapper role and that person is on the smallest board in the lineup and the characteristics of that is, is exactly what you described. You have to sit in close to where the breaking waves are underneath the ledge and underneath the lip of the wave. It forces you to take off late, right? Because you're on a Frequently small board. So Frequently yeah. get worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's actually, it's harder. It makes you, so you've got to be a better surfer. So you're a good surfer, Derek. Yeah. If you yeah. enjoy doing that, you've got to be a really good surfer. Yeah. Um you're going to do a lot more paddling. Your heart rate's going to be a lot higher because you're going to get more set waves on the head, right? Yeah. You're going to get all those big sets. Yeah. You'll call them people call them cleanup sets, but those bigger sets will break on your head. So it's a more of a high stress position. You'll probably get that mouse mm. on a freeway feeling where you're sitting inside. You're like, oh my goodness, look what's coming. Got to, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And I had so, a lot of that happen in, at Bells. I was definitely, right. I saw those guys sitting. I go, what are those guys doing way out there? You know?
0: Yes. And
1: then I knew when the sets came in.
0: So oh, on, the, on that same day, that's that six to eight foot size at 12 to 15 foot face or two to two and a half times head high. Yeah. I'm saying that the, the performer, the regular length, mm. ride, is a seven to eight foot board. And that's going to be Interesting. the right size. You are riding a five eleven or something. That is, so small out there that yeah when i'm in the car park if i pull up at the beach and there's a swell i know just by what board you're waxing up in the car yeah. park i know what role you're going to play i know where you're going to sit in the lineup and i know whether you're competing with me or not and I, and yeah. so if i see that you've got a 511 and i've got my seven i'm going great He's not even looking at the same waves I'm yeah. looking at. You know, he's just laughing. Yeah. No, you, you and all your buddies on the small boards. Yeah, we're, we're not yeah, even looking yeah. at the same thing. You know? Yeah,
1: that's that's really interesting. I never thought about it like that, dude. That's super. You are you taught me a lot already. I like it. Cool.
0: Well, it, it goes for other guys too. Uh, a lot of people when they're getting into bigger waves, they I've spoke to people about this. We have this feeling of like. I don't want to ride a big board because I'm going to have to catch a big wave. And so they'd oh, go, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I want to ride a small board in big waves and then no one's going to force me to catch a big one. But what actually happens is you get into that scrapper role and you're forced to sit further in. You have to take more risks to try and get a wave. You'll be mm. paddling inside in between the sets. And if you miss a wave and you turn around and there's that big cleanup set and then you, you get it on the head, yeah. it's if, if, those waves are big for you. Then riding the smaller board is a really risky strategy. It's okay for you yeah. and for me if we know we've got the experience and we're deliberately breaking the rules. But for a person that that doesn't have the experience, riding a smaller board is in bigger surf is a really dangerous thing. And it's safer for them to play more of the the bomber role to ride a bit longer board, sit further mm. out out of harm's way, and be able to pick their waves right so mm-hmm. if you went for example went more towards the 8 foot board and that's what you would have seen at bells a bunch of guys sitting out the back further so out riding 8 foot yeah. or 8 foot 6 boards and yep. just picking off all the best sets cherry picking all the good ones man yeah
1: all the good ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah so super yeah, good
1: d- that's great that's dude you just you educated me that's awesome i love it
0: thank you well yeah. that's that's just a, f- a few of the things that we can do through through the website for, and through working with surfers. Um, and I've got on the website, uh, there's an Ask Me Anything. So if you or anyone that's listening, it that doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can ask me any question about surfing, no matter how sort of silly you think it seems. It's not silly. You can submit it there. It's free. And I answer it through uh, a video. I do a video Q&A. And so I do like a monthly video, put it together with all the questions that I get. I think last Very month cool. I had last month I had about 25 questions in the video. And it's video, so I can go on as long as I want and uh, you know yeah. give you a really detailed explanation trying to try and help you solve these problems. So um, yeah, that's that's the ask me anything that I have on there. Um, and, and how
1: did you what was the inspiration for, for this project? I mean, I, I think it's I, I've always wondered why there weren't more surf coaches or, you know, mentors out there. Um So how did you, like, what was the inspiration for this course?
0: So I've been, uh I've been helping people and it's, it's funny. Well, after I have a surf and even like, whether, I mean it's whether it's in the supermarket or whether it's you know after in the Torquay supermarket or whether it's uh, in the in the car park after a surf people do ask me questions um, a lot of the times there's people I, I know a little bit and so they've got the confidence to come up and ask me something but I get asked a lot of questions and I get asked the same questions a lot of the time and so I was like wow um, it's' it's not tiring to answer it because I'm so passionate about talking about surfing. It's, but it's, I repeat myself a lot. And I'm like, gosh, man, I really need something where I can just answer this once. And then just like, Hey, you asked me this question, go, go here, here, have a look yeah. at it. And there's also the next 25 questions you're going to ask me as well are all there for you. Okay? <laughs> and, yeah, very cool. And so to be able to have that, to be able to pass that on, um, and then also, I've got kids myself, you know, so I would like to be able yeah. to, to somehow extract the, the knowledge I've got and be able to pass it on to them. So, to the next generation. Um, and that's cool. where the, the first course that I've done is the actual, is my breath training course called the Breath Hold Blueprint. And basically, that's my online guided breath training course. Okay. So, it's pretty much the first of its kind and it's, it's targeted at surfers. Um and it gives gives surfers, gives people yourself, Derek, myself. Um mm. it's providing a a straight line pathway from having a breath hold that we're not happy with and not feeling confident about to the breath hold of your dreams, basically. Mm. So um a little bit about breath holding, like from my experience, what I've found surfing and seeing those guys catching the biggest waves and getting all the records and all this the best big wave surfers that i've found the most confident big wave surfers are the ones that have got the best breath hold and that's it just seems to be it there's just super confident um and i've been at i was at jaws and i saw a friend of mine catch a wave that won the world record uh in the end it won the world record and he had a wipeout at the bottom i saw the wave and. I saw him get smoked at the bottom of this wave, right, and got absolutely pounded. And when he paddled back out, I asked him, that wave was incredible and how was the wipeout? And he said to me, he goes, oh, it was fine. I just relaxed and uh, went with it and, yeah, it was all good. And I couldn't believe that. And then I found out later that he was a free diver. And so... I actually yeah. got right into the exploration of free diving and free diving techniques and about how mm. to hold your breath longer and in surfing for, well, ever, in the last 10 years, pool, pool based breath training programs have been the most popular thing. And i oh, probably in the last 10 years now, it's the last 15 years. And so I've always been looking for a way to, uh, to get an advantage, to get, to get an edge on myself, to get better, improve. So, I did a lot of these pool-based training programs. Um, I travelled around Australia to attend seminars. Um, I paid you know thousands of dollars on flights, courses to go mm. to, um, to do all these training programs. I used to travel around with me. Even when I'd go to Hawaii, I'd bring a whole bag full of pool boys and lane ropes and pool toys, um, so that I could do this pool training wherever i went there that it was you know supposed to make you a better big wave surfer the problem that i found excuse me the problem that i found with them is that nobody else wanted to keep training with me so it was really hard to Mm -hmm. get training partner Um, i got quite good at i thought i was quite good at some of the drills and i got a lot of confidence from it Um, but i couldn't get people to consistently train and so I ended up having my wife become my training partner, my my coach, basically. She was looking after me awesome. in the pool. So because it's, you know, it's quite dangerous to do breath holding in a pool. And most pools don't even want you to do it. You're not flat out not allowed to do it. So it's really hard to find a place to do it. Mm. Um, but fortunately, I had my wife there with me. But when she became uh, pregnant with our first child, uh, she had to stop coming to the pool with me. So at first I went, um, all right, I'm not going to do anything. I will stop doing this training. I'll just go and swim some laps. Um, but then after a little while, I was like, hey, I need to do some breath training. You know, the waves are big. This is this is ridiculous. I was frustrated. I couldn't get anyone to train with. Um, so I'm just going to start on a really low level that I know is safe for me. So I'm just going to start by swimming 25 meters underwater. You know, it's a half-length Olympic pool, half an Olympic pool. I'm like, I'll just start doing that. I don't have, I've never had a problem with that before. So I started doing those half lengths underwater and that was fine. So then I thought, well, you know, I'll just, just, let's just go a little bit more. My confidence started to grow. Two. Yeah. So I started building up towards two and then I was pushing that further and I got to, uh, I was doing a, a two minute static breath hold. So I'd just sit there underwater for two minutes and then I'd do two laps underwater which is pretty long nice, and yeah, except for, uh, one day I did that. And as I was going along, um, I suffered what's called an LMC, which is a loss of motor control. And that's the first stage of blacking out. Oh, so shit. yeah, in a public pool. So I'd held my breath with
1: no with nobody super or nobody kind yeah. of watching you, right? Nobody yeah.
0: watching me. And <clears throat> in the, in the middle lane of a pool, you know, like an eight lane pool, I'm in the middle lane, one of the middle lanes, And I got about three quarters away along my lap underwater and the water was, you know, it was overhead deep and I started to feel strange and funny. So I I started surfacing and on the way up, my vision blurred, I got all shaky and I didn't really know what was going on, but I took a left turn and I came up and was all shaky and this all happened very quickly, but I was all shaky and some survival mechanism kicked into me where I just lunged out of the water and fortunately I landed on top of a lane rope and it basically mm-hmm. hooked under my arm. And that's what saved me from falling back into the Whoa. water and drowning. And Dude. I was sitting there like stuck on this lane rope and I didn't grab it with my hand, my hands weren't working. I wasn't thinking it was like Mm. automatic, right? I just came out of the water and just landed on this lane rope and just locked onto it, basically shaking. And after that happened, the only thought that I had was, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. This is like, (laughs) I, I hope no one saw me. I was looking around. There is a lifeguard at the pool. I was like, I hope they didn't see me. I hope they didn't kick out. I don't want to get kicked out of the pool. I don't want to get banned from swimming here. Oh my god. I don't want my wife to find out. I don't want Um that was my only thought. There was nothing there was nothing else to it. I was just like, man, I I was just embarrassed. And yeah. you know, it wasn't till till sort of a few weeks later that I realized how close I'd come to actually drowning in the pool and how many other people have drowned in swimming pools. That, that were not as lucky as I was to have landed on a lane rope like that. And blacking out underwater is just, it's, it's such a serious thing. Every life lost is a life wasted and it's a tragedy mm-hmm. and it just it just shouldn't happen. And so it took me about another month to actually have this sink in and then I finally realized, when, okay, I am never doing this pool training again. Okay, this is, it's not safe unless you're under like super safe conditions like you're in a free diving club and you've got trained people there that are watching Mm. you the whole time that know how to do rescues, that know how to do free diving rescues. They know how to, to bring you back to consciousness and they're watching you every second. Even your girlfriend being there, sitting there watching, that's not enough because... No. if girlfriend sorry all the other way around boyfriend or friend anyone right yeah, someone, yeah. or your mom sure. or your dad because if they're on their phone they're not looking you know sure. in a minute you're gone done. you're done yeah so from that point onwards i said i'm never doing this again and i'm finding another way and that was when that was when i went to jaws and the penny started to drop i was hearing this stuff about freedivers so i got right into the science the physics the techniques nice. of free diving explored that went right down the rabbit hole for as yeah. i still do it to this day but this and this was five to six years ago now and i went way down this rabbit hole for about six months to educate myself and and it just kept sinking in on how lucky that i had been and and how to change this and what i learned was there is a technique to train your breath hold safely and do it at home, you don't actually need to do it in water and that you can safely increase your breath hold on your own and you don't need to go in into a pool, okay? And so I started, I was determined to get myself a really good breath hold. I I had about a one-minute 15 breath hold at the time and my dream was to get to five minutes. I was like, Mm. these guys have five-minute breath holds, why can't I do it? So that was where I wanted to get. So I started stitching together everything that I'd learned everything that I'd discovered along the way and piecing it together and building my own course so that I could take myself through it and I built the course and the first time that I did it I went from one minute 15 at the start and I got to four minutes 15 after three minutes oh, sorry wow. three three weeks three weeks sorry after three, three weeks week, yeah three weeks of training yeah so I'd completely transformed my breath hold. Amazing. Yeah. So I'd more than more than tripled my breath hold in that time. Um, then I started to share the course with some friends and say, hey, don't do this pool stuff. Just do this safely at home. Mm. And they started doing it and getting similar results themselves by doing it, you know, getting up to the four-minute mark or just over. And gaining a lot more confidence and so what i realized and what i got from it is that having that breath hold actually gives you having a long breath hold gives you freedom in the surf Mm. and it Mm. gives me the freedom to to know that i can hold my breath longer than a wave can hold me down for so Mm. therefore i can I can go out and catch any wave that I really set my mind to. Now, you have to have all the other pieces in place. You've got to be fit. You've got to know how to surf. You've got to be on the right equipment, et cetera. Sure. But we're taking one one piece off the board. We're like, breath-holding mm. is no longer a problem. That piece is coming off the board. So there's less pieces of the puzzle that we have to solve. So, okay, yeah, that's where it is. Um, that was, that was Did you get of, to five? Yeah. Yeah, I have a five-minute breath hold now. Yeah, baby. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm yeah. so happy. The first time I hit that number, it feels like a yeah. it was like a milestone in my life, mm. and I've got further to go. I'm going to take it further soon, nice. but. What I've developed with the course is a way that surfers can see. You don't want to keep peak breath hold year round. It's like anyone for the Olympics or any super high level sports yeah. person. You okay. don't stay at your peak year round. Yeah. You have to train it up and down.
1: Uh-huh. interesting. And
0: so I've developed a system for surfers, how we can, you can train this really hard in the off season and it only takes 30 minutes a day roundabouts. You can train it for a couple of weeks in the off season, get your breath hold, the best place that it's ever been then you can taper it right off and you can hold a maintenance level throughout the season Uh and then when you see a big swell coming we've got a system of how you can uh, Mm. ramp it up uh so whether you're you like going down holidays to mexico right yeah the surf trip so if you know when you're going to go you can do uh, a week or two weeks of this training beforehand just the same as if you would go to the swimming pool yeah. Exactly, and you'll have your breath nice. hold primed at a really good level that, again, same as with the surfboards, I've benchmarked levels of breath holding depending mm-hmm. on the size of waves that you want to surf, Very if
1: cool.
0: that makes sense. So it's not yeah, just, totally. you know, a surfer that wants to surf in six to eight-foot waves goes, oh, I don't need a five-minute breath hold, and you're right, but there is a level of breath hold, breath holding that will make you really comfortable for those double to double overhead size waves. And you can yeah. train yourself to hit that level. Same way you can train yourself in the swimming pool to be swim fit enough. Not everyone needs to swim five miles, but you yeah. know, two miles or one and a half miles is probably good enough. That makes yeah. sense.
1: Or you can impress your bros on a flat day and just stay under the water for five minutes. That'd be fun mm-hmm. too.
0: Yeah. Hey, how long can you I, hold your breath you know, for, Derek?
1: So I, I've been studying the Wim Hof method, method for a couple of mm. years now. Mm. And I've kind of gone up and down, but I, I got up to a couple of minutes um, and I have done some pool training um, like two and a half lanes was kind of where i i was you know so but it's not i've never done it regularly you know it's kind of like in the summer when it's hot when i probably don't need it at all just because i want to you know do like i want to train um but i would love to have something that like you said that i i could train because you know for us usually the the big waves are only October to February, the rest of the year, it's never going to get that big unless I'm traveling somewhere. Right. Which yeah. I do, but, yeah. but for like around here, there's a definite season when it's, you know, really only big December to February ish. Yeah. So I love the idea of, of having, you know, some kind of baseline and then ramping it up. If I see, you know, cause we all yeah, know now pre-season. two, three weeks out. Yeah, you know, two, three weeks out if a swell's coming or if you're going on a trip, right? So, yeah, dude. And who doesn't want to, like, for me, um, who doesn't want to just have that skill set in their back pocket? Whether you're, you know, surfing super big surf or not, I think, you know, knowing that you can breathe in a hold down because dude i'm telling you it doesn't have to be that big to get held down like depending on the spot if you're at a river mouth or something that has you know fun we were talking about this just funky trenches you could get pushed into a trench all- over a reef or you know you just never know um i think you know i think it's a skill set every surfer should have you know whatever size wave you're surfing it's a good skill set that's the way i would put it um, yeah,
0: and you, you made a really good yeah. point there that any wave can catch you by surprise and hold you down. And there's, there's two two main skills that you learn through that you need to learn when you to get a really develop a really long breath hold. Okay. So the first one is your CO two tolerance. So mm. when we hold our breath, um, we use oxygen, but we also have CO two build up in our bloodstream. And the CO two build up is what gives us the urge to breathe right and so that's when you're holding your breath and it starts getting really uncomfortable You're like i need to breathe i need to breathe and you get really uncomfortable you can get uh diaphragm contractions little spasms down there in the muscles mm-hmm. underneath your rib cage which are which are really uncomfortable and very quite confronting to someone that's not used to that and so if you're in you know double overhead waves and you got held down and pounded and you're getting these like contractions and spasms and, and you feel like you're desperate for a breath that's because you're uh, you're not used to the to the co2 buildup, mm. and we tr- we train that through the course so the first part of the course is what we call co2 tolerance training and that's designed to make you get comfortable being uncomfortable. So we it's cool. sh- shorter exercises, shorter breath holds. It's all, it's all guided, the course, and that's kind of the, the secret source behind it. You mm. said I guide you through every minute of every mm. breath hold Very in the cool. whole course. There's 176 breath holds in the course.
1: Wow, you're, dude.
0: You're guided through wow. every one of those. Um, so CO2 tolerance is what you do in the first two weeks of the course. And then the second half is relaxation. So once you can once you become tolerant to the carbon dioxide, you get used to it and you 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 know what the symptoms of it are, you know how your body responds, and then you get, you know, it's kind of like getting a splinter. If you get a splinter in your finger, we know what's gonna happen now, right? It still happens, your finger's gonna throb, you pull it out, it's gonna be sore for an hour after, then you forget about it. It's the same thing with that being uncomfortable from CO2. Your body is going to go through things. The first time it happens to you, like to a child with a splinter, it's this traumatic experience. But once you've been through it a lot through training, you become familiar with it and then you get comfortable with it and then you learn how to just keep holding your breath. So the uncomfortable feeling is going to happen, but you don't let that stop you from holding your breath. And the second part is relaxation. So the second two weeks of the course is O2 relaxation training. And those are the longer breath holds. That's when we really start to increase the time length of the breath holds so that you are now going out into kind of like uncharted waters for you. It's like you're a spaceship heading off into space and you've (laughs) got to come back to earth at some stage, but. How far out into space can you get and still make it back to Earth? So those are the O2. They're the long breath holds. That's what they feel Mm. like. So we take you further and further into these longer breath holds. And, again, the secret sauce is that you're guided through them. So I've been there before. I'm going to give you words. You're going to hear my words that are going to relax you and reassure you on this journey out and back again. Mm. And then you'll get used to having these longer breath holds. And Very cool. what happens is when you take that practice and you go in the surf and you get held down you can instantly you you'll find that you'll instantly click back into this training and think like you're training okay I'm just going to relax and then you'll probably hear my voice and the instructions that I've given you to run through and I put you on this um, on this little pathway and you won't even be a quarter of the way along the pathway and you'll be back on the surface again Nice. So, yeah, that's kind of so how you'll, it, you'll
1: be with us in the future perpetually in the big wave surfing. Your yeah, voice you'll be, will be you'll there. <laughs> like, oh, you
0: will be like underwater
1: going, Where's Jeff? Oh, wait, there he is. There, there he it is. is
0: saying, Just relax, telling you <laughs> yeah. that you're fine, telling Dude. you you've got plenty of oxygen and all those kind of things. So, I love hey, that. I love that. Hey, so, I got, a, I, got a quick, I got a little challenge for you. How, right. do you. how long do you think you can hold your breath for? What do you reckon? right now right now yeah oh, right dude now for fun. are you serious gonna put yeah me yeah the spot? just for fun
1: fuck i don't know a minute and a half
0: yeah let's try it yeah all right let's try it and uh all right so i've got my little timer here i'm just gonna i'll, I'll give us about so i'll um I'll, I'll guide you up to it so i won't just hit the start button and throw you out right, so what right. we'll do is i like that yeah we'll do it in, well we'll do it in about a minute's time and okay. don't, do it, don't do anything fancy right Hard now. Hard to get nervous. Unbutton if your pants if you want to or anything like that to get comfortable. But... Dude, I'm not even wearing pants. It's
1: COVID. It's COVID, bro. Just have That's a shirt awesome.
0: On. So don't change your breathing right now. Don't start hyperventilating or anything like that. And hyperventilating is where you're using more oxygen than you need to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, basically, all I want you to do is... In about 20 seconds, you're going to take two breaths. So one inhale, one big inhale, one full exhale, and then one full inhale again, and then hold your breath when I say hold, okay? Okay. And, And I'll just time it. And you just hold your breath, just close your eyes, hold your breath as long as you can. This is probably going to be the... Most silent longest. minute and a half ever in podcast history. Okay, <laughs> yeah, good. If you hear me, if you hear me
1: drop on the floor, you know I had one of those uh, moments.
0: Okay, and all right. uh, yeah, all right. So that's, what, that's yeah. Let's go so in about. We'll go two in fifty. 50 yep, yeah, two two inhales, inhale, exhale, inhale. About five okay. seconds each. So we'll go in about. Okay. So you're gonna hold your breath in 15 seconds from now. So inhale, exhale. Inhale. The heart's
1: beating. <sighs> Performance anxiety.
0: Oh. Now just inhale and hold this time. And hold. So just relax. Try and swallow and guide the air down deep into your diaphragm, relax the muscles in your chest, relax your shoulders and starting down at your toes, relax all your toes and keep relaxing through all your body parts from your toes upwards. Oh, that's a kid <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good,
1: oh, shit, dude. <laughs> I totally, totally had performance anxiety, bro. Felt like I was 16 again, with like naked with some chick.
0: No, that was good. Mate. Oh. That was good. <laughs> so you you're like, you're like bang on a minute right there. Oh, jeez! Okay, totally. And look, you did really well, and considering I put you, I put you on the spot and got you to do it right. To be on right?
1: the spot.
0: Yep. But I um, like it.
1: I just, I'm training for our next talk. I'm training.
0: So, based on that, on that initial test, that's one of the first things that we do in the course. It's like the first kind of lesson. Yeah. We go through that test, and then I do a thing we call the crystal ball, right? And so the crystal ball is just. Based on how you performed in that initial untrained breath hold, just on the spot, we give you a reading of what your potential for just the first time going through the course would be. So you'll be in that, you're in that one minute range and you could times that by about three. So you should definitely see a result of three minutes the first time that you go through the course, meaning the first couple of weeks that you go through it, right? That's by no means your capacity your maximum mm. anything like that um if you do it if you go through the course again um, you'll get a lot further for sure if someone gets more like a minute and a half you'll be able to get closer to uh four minutes mm. and if you get if you can do two minutes just off the bat then you'll get closer to, do, to getting to the five minute mark nice. just the first time that you go through the course Sorry. And bear, bearing in mind, we did just spring that on you right here. and you're, <laughs> yeah. you like, know, Dude, so I can do
1: five minutes. I know I can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of, and it's interesting like the things that you felt, um, you said about anxiety or anything like that. And yeah. you had some thoughts coming into your head while you're holding your breath.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I was like, I can do better than this. What, what, you know, just relax. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, it was, it was interesting.
0: And it get really uncomfortable I def- at the end.
1: It got, yeah, I got uncomfortable yeah. at the end for sure. Yeah. I I thought I could do a lot better. You know, it's always that beat yourself up because you, you, you know, you want to do the best you can do. And then, I mean, something like holding your breath, you can't fake, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's either in or, or not. Right. Yeah. So, and uh, so
0: if, when you're doing that, it's especially when you get to the long breath holds. It's the, it's the program of our life. It's the stress of our day. Yeah. It's, you know what's happened to us beforehand. Um, those kind of voices that start to play into your head when you start to get into a longer breath hold. Um, and you start going if you get to a breath hold that you've never done before. If you get to two and a half or three minutes, then you're going to start questioning yourself. Can be like yeah. oh this is dangerous i shouldn't do this and right. when you have that that little thought comes into your head that one thought becomes fear that fear makes your heart rate go up your heart rate makes you burn more oxygen you get more you start to sweat and get uncomfortable and then you're going to give up on the breath hold you're going to stop right and so that's what kind of holds us back and mm. when you when you do the course the breath hold blueprint the idea is, is that you've got my voice there guiding you through it so that you're hearing positive reinforcement that's coming to you before the negatives do. Mm. So when we're getting further into it and you're out in a distance that you've never done before, you're going to hear me say, you have so much oxygen. And you you repeat it in your own mind. I yeah. have so much oxygen. So you're telling yourself this overriding positive programming and That's like the secret sauce to do it because it's, if you get a stopwatch, it's very hard to sit down yourself and just try and encourage yourself to get to five minutes. When you do the course, I'm there with you, guiding you through every breath hold, giving you that coaching. And that's the same thing that would happen if you went and spent, you know, a thousand dollars for a one day course with a freediver who would get in the pool with you. Literally, what they do is they sit beside you as you're holding your breath and they whisper, these words into your head Mm. you know relax your body stay calm you have plenty of oxygen you're doing Mm. really good so i'm giving you that here through this guided training and instead of having it for one day though you've got lifetime access to it nice and you can train it year-round and you can train it for swells you can train it for surf holidays And it doesn't matter whether you're a level one, two, or three big wave surfer, it's still going to be uh, really beneficial for you. Um, Yeah. So that's what it's all about.
1: Amazing, bro. I love it. I'm going to take it myself. I've already, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's get you on it. So uh, I want to take the course and then I want us to do another podcast and then we'll do like a post podcast and we'll do it live and we'll see how long I can hold my breath
0: a hundred percent that'll be, right, be love really it. interested to see hey, hey yo that's amazing yeah that will be really cool, good I, yeah and so so where
1: can people find the course if they if they're interested sure besides, it's, uh,
0: yeah so you'll be you'll be able to post a link so the, the breath hold course is the breath hold blueprint uh you should find the link that you guys are going to post uh below or next to this video or on your website right yes where will that be
1: That will be at wavetribe.com and it will also be on all of the podcasting wherever you listen to this podcast, which are, you know, a ton of distribution points that'll be in the show notes. So we'll put it in the show notes and on the site. But of course you can go directly after hearing this podcast. You're going to be so stoked. You just want to get it right now. I want to, I want to get it right now. So just go to the site and get it.
0: Yeah. Check it out. Do it. And so I'm gonna make an offer too for anyone that's listened to your oh, podcast, awesome. the Saltwater High Podcast, you can have it for twenty-five uh, percent off. So beautiful. You'll you'll only find that here through the links that Derek's gonna provide you there and just for listening and sitting through this podcast with us.
1: Very cool, man. Super appreciated. I already I already learned so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some bigger boards out. I'm I'm gonna be the the um I'm going to be the, the no, I'm going to be the bomber, dude. I want to yeah. be that guy. I want to be I want to I'm going to trade the the position from the the scrambler, what was it? The the
0: scrapper. The scra-
1: scrapper, the scrapper, yeah, scrapper yep. to the bomber. Yeah, yep. I love that. I'm, I'm going to add a
0: are, foot to my board. You can mix it up. You can do you can do all three of them.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. Very cool. Well, thank yeah, Jeff, you so I really much. Pre-
1: yeah, dude, this has been amazing. I feel like this podcast alone, people are already going to learn so much about big wave surfing and your life and the course, which sounds amazing. And like I said, I'm going to take the course, and we'll come back. We'll do a post. We'll do a post interview, and uh, yeah, and tell everyone what it's like.
0: Awesome, Derek. So thanks for having me. Okay, I'm super brother. grateful for that opportunity.
1: Me too, brother man. We'll see you in Bells. You. Thanks for listening to another episode of Saltwater High. Please take a moment and go leave us a review on your favorite podcast network. We'd really appreciate it and it would help spread the stoke. Also, one last reminder, go to wavetribe.com for surf gear, surf travel articles, and lots of other stoke. See you guys. See you in the water. Peace out.